the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're glad to have you with us. James Blind is producing Clark Hilton Engineering. Dan Rice, I'm thanking him for the use of his office. Well, cities nationwide saw new looting as demonstrations over George Floyd's death spiraled out of control yesterday. Four police officers were shot in St. Louis. Cities across the county, country rather reeled from new looting um, as nationwide demonstrations over the death uh, escalated out of control yet again. President Trump vowed a tougher federal response. Multiple cities and regions have imposed nighttime curfews to quell destructive behavior and tense confrontations between demonstrators and law enforcement after dark. Six states and 13 cities have issued a state of emergency, according to the Wall Street Journal. But it appeared the curfew had little effect on Monday night. In New York City, dozens of arrests were made, police said, while hundreds of looters were seen breaking their way into downtown Manhattan businesses. In Midtown, a group of armed uh, individuals with sticks reportedly torched one business. Other stores, such as Michael Kors, Kate Spade, and Barnes & Noble, were broken into as glass from, the, uh, from broken windows covered the sidewalk. In Herald Square, a busy intersection just blocks away from Madison Square Garden and the Garment District, hundreds of looters forced their way into a Macy's department store in the presence of police. Several were taken out of the retailer's New York flagship store in handcuffs. Authorities in St. Louis said early Tuesday that four police officers were shot during protests in the city's downtown area and officers continued to be under fire. St. Louis Police Chief John Hayden told reporters that two officers were shot in the leg and one was shot in the foot. The other was shot in the arm. In Washington, D.C., police fired flashbang shells and rubber bullets into a crowd of protesters outside Lafayette Square near the White House shortly before the president spoke about the escalating violence across the country and visited St. John's Episcopal Church, which was damaged during Sunday night protests. An explosion was uh, was heard in the area later, uh, and reporters uh, came from a police car set on fire about two miles north of the White House as well. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, some people were seen actively defying a curfew by staying outside police headquarters. Police also fired non-lethal bullets and tear gas Monday after a crowd spilled onto Interstate 676, shutting down traffic in both directions. Several arrests were made. And other related developments, the president vowed to mobilize federal resources to address the nation. Low-flying military helicopters descended on Washington, D.C. to disperse the crowds. And Laura Ingram says riots are part of a coordinated effort to eventually overthrow the U.S. government. Well, Democratic leaders on Monday criticized the use of tear gas against protesters in Washington, D.C.'s Lafayette Square before the president walked through the area to visit St. John's Episcopal Church, which had caught on fire during Sunday night's demonstrations. Law enforcement officers deployed tear gas and shot rubber bullets to forcefully disperse the peaceful protesters prior to the president's visit, which drew harsh backlash from Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden and Senator Elizabeth Warren. the, during the brief uh, visit at the boarded-up church, the president stood in front of and posed for photographers while holding up a Bible. 
He was accompanied by several aides and officials, including Attorney General Bill Barr, daughter and White House advisor Ivanka Trump, Chiefs of Staff Mark Meadows, and Defense Secretary Mark Espers. Most said uh, that they had no idea it was going to be a photo op. The removal of the protesters came as the president vowed to take immediate action to mobilize all available federal resources to stop riots and looting across the country. He also threatened to deploy the military if states don't send in the National Guard to the protests. George Floyd died many minutes before he was transferred to a stretcher and taken to a Minneapolis hospital. Forensic pathologist Dr. Michael Baden told Sean Hannity on Monday, Baden, one of two doctors to conduct an independent autopsy that concluded that Floyd died of asphyxiation at the hands of local police on the 25th of May, said that medics tried to do CPR with him in the ambulance but were unable to find a pulse. He had a cardiac arrest, and they tried to shock him, and the shocks didn't work either, Baden said. He was dead before they put him on the stretcher, many minutes before he gets to the hospital, end quote. Well, according to the independent autopsy report released by Floyd's family, he died of asphyxia due to neck and back compression that led to a lack of blood flow to the brain. Preliminary results from the official autopsy, which were included in a criminal complaint against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, who kneeled on Floyd's neck for eight and a half minutes in the now viral video, said officials had found nothing to support a diagnosis of traumatic asphyxia or strangulation. On Monday, um, the upheld uh, autopsy report classified Floyd's death as a homicide and listed the cause of death as cardiopulmonary arrest complicating law enforcement subdual restraint and neck compression. Now, that all means something very specific in legal terms. Let's see. Uh, When uh, darkness fell, rioters and looters resumed. We all know that, not only in the big cities across the eastern part of the country, but here in our community as well. Uh, Media is going easy on Antifa, says one member of Congress. These alleged anti-fascists and alt-right Nazis deserve each other. uh, America deserves neither. The difference is that one group is rightly condemned by all decent people, while the other gets high fives from the celebrity class and apologies uh, in Washington, in the Washington Post. Uh, from NF- MSNBC's Chris Hayes, he says, calling what's uh, happening on the streets domestic terrorism is both plainly wrong and insanely dangerous and irresponsible. So apparently we should embrace what's happening when small business owners and others lose everything they have. I witnessed one African-American woman who was so outraged by what was happening. She said, you tell me Black Lives Matter, that's a lie. You demonstrate by what you've done here in burning down this business that it took a lifetime to build, that my life does not matter as a black woman. Very profound words in the midst of those who would try to justify that action. Meanwhile, uh, the former vice president and presumptive Democratic nominee led uh, polls um, thus far, but Trump is... uh, through the roof on enthusiasm, a fact that is buried in the Washington Post story on the subject. A key paragraph among Trump supporters, 84% of adults say that they would definitely vote for him in November, compared with 68% of Biden supporters. Among Trump backers, 87% say they are enthusiastic about supporting him. 64% are very enthusiastic. Among Biden supporters, 74% say they are enthusiastic about backing him, with 31% saying they are very enthusiastic. Whether or not that translates into a political victory remains to be seen. Meanwhile, the former vice president's advice to police officers when threatened, shoot them in the leg instead of the heart, is a very different thing. Thank you, Joe Biden. Well, riots where citizens are on on their own tend to um, use their guns for personal protection. 
Gun stocks have surged as of Monday. As it is, May saw a huge increase year to year. Well, Hollywood is looking to resume with COVID-19 red tape with trained COVID-19 professionals on set to yell at you when you are non-compliant. I'd like to yell at some folks in Hollywood. I might apply for the job. Meanwhile, the president demands that Tamario Cuomo and Bill de Blasio call in federal reinforcements. New York City survives calmer night after the uh, protests uh, ignored the curfew. The president demanded that the mayor and the governor of New York call in additional help from the federal government to quell violence there during protests over the death of George Floyd. As protesters in the Big Apple and other cities nationwide ignored curfews and filled the streets on Tuesday. We'll talk more about that a bit later in the program. And just a reminder, in the second hour, we're going to share with you the Christian Outlook. I had the honor of hosting this week, and we'll hear from voices all across the country on COVID-19 and other issues of importance to the Christian community. We'll be back in just a few moments, so stay with us. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, Walmart has made the decision that they're not going to sell the popular documentary No Safe Spaces. From the story, the DVD for No Safe Spaces, last year's top political documentary based on its $1.3 million haul at the box office, won't be sold at Walmart stores, and the film stars, comedian Adam Carolla and talk show host Dennis Prager, are accusing the giant retailer of biased. Hmm, you think? Well, a Philadelphia shop owner killed a looter, and the mayor is condemning the Philadelphia shop owner, calling it vigilante justice. Early Tuesday morning, Greg Isabella, owner of Firing Line Gun Shop in Philadelphia, was forced to defend himself after a looter allegedly attempted to break into his business and pointed a handgun at him, according to authorities. While the mayor, Jim Kenney, admitted a store owner has the right to defend his life, particularly when he's being confronted by a gun-wielding would-be um, thief, he complained, we do not endorse or condone any form of vigilante justice or taking the law into one's own hands. But the law abandoned him along with all the other store owners. Hmm. I guess it would have been better for the store owner to have been shot and all of these guns emptied out into the broader community, according to the mayor's assessment. Well, health experts that demand we stay indoors are endorsing the protest. Uh, it's um, what they told us is true. They're killing the grandparents of all these people. And David Harsinyi says, if your cause is righteous, the virus won't kill you. Hmm. This day in history, 1965, Edward H. White became the first American to walk in space during the flight of Gemini 4. 1977, the United States and Cuba agree to set up diplomatic interest sections in each other's countries. Cuba also announces the immediate release of 10 Americans jailed on drug charges. 1989, Iran's spiritual leader, Ayatollah uh, Ruloa Khomeini, dies. There's a series of them. The middle name, I guess, distinguishes one from the other. 2008, Barack Obama claims the Democratic presidential nomination, speaking in the same St. Paul, Minnesota arena, where Republicans would be holding their national convention in September of 2008. 2017, a white van slams into pedestrians on London Bridge, killing eight people. The three attackers are shot and killed by police. And finally, on this day in 2018, Guatemala's volcano of fire, one of the most active volcanoes in Central America, erupts in fiery explosions of ash and molten rock, killing more than 100 people and leaving scores of others missing. 
Well, Minnesota's Attorney General's office is expected and did announce upgraded charges against Derek Chauvin, the white Minneapolis officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck and has added new charges against the three other officers at the scene. Chauvin will now be charged with second-degree murder, the Star Tribune first reported. The other three officers involved, Thomas Lane, J.A. Koenig, and Toy Tao, will each be charged with two counts of aiding and abetting and second-degree murder. If convicted on both counts, the officers face a maximum of sentence of 50 years in prison and a fine of up to $20,000. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison uh, held a press conference, a news conference. Uh, Chauvin was arrested on Friday on third-degree murder and manslaughter charges a day after Floyd, who is black, died in the police custody on Memorial Day. All four officers were fired from the Minneapolis Police Department. And Defense Secretary Mark Esper declared on Wednesday that despite the president's remarks earlier in the week, he's not in favor of the president's invoking the Insurrection Act in order to send the U.S. military to quell violent protests. During a morning press briefing, Esper addressed controversies surrounding the president's stance on violence and looting that's broken out across the country in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, coinciding with other peaceful protests. The option to use active duty forces in a law enforcement role should only be used as a matter of last resort and only in the most urgent and dire situations, Esper said. We are not in one of those situations now. I do not support invoking the Insurrection Act. Well, in some states, governors have called for the National Guard to assist police, which does not require the Insurrection Act. Esper said he was very proud of the National Guard members who have gone out to help. But the president has suggested going a step further. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them, he said on Monday. Esper already has ordered military police active duty troops from Fort Bragg and Fort Drum and a ready battalion from the 82nd Airborne to stage in the Washington, D.C. area at Maryland Andrews, Maryland's Andrews Air Force Base and Virginia's Fort Belvoir. Well, Esper on Wednesday then spoke about the president's controversial appearance at a D.C. church that had previously been harmed by fire. Reports had said that the National Guard and U.S. Park Police had used tear gas and rubber bullets to clear peaceful protesters from the area before the president stopped there for a photo op. Esper said the National Guard members did not do this. The U.S. Park Police has denied this as well, but did acknowledge using smoke canisters and pepper balls on protesters, which apparently have been... um, designated as similar to tear gas used in other forms. Former Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein testified Wednesday that he would not have signed a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant renewal for former Trump campaign aide Carter Page had he known about the uh, since-revealed misconduct surrounding those warrants while faulting the FBI for its handling of the documents. Rosenstein confirmed that he signed a FISA warrant renewal application for Page during a hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he was the first witness as part of the panel's fresh investigation into the origins of the Russia probe. If you knew then what you know now, would you have signed the warrant application? Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham asked Rosenstein. No, I would not. He replied. Rosenstein, in his opening statement, defended his own actions related to the FISA warrant, saying that every application I approved appeared to be justified based on the facts it alleged. He 
implicitly pointed the finger at the FBI for since revealed problems at that level in the process. The FBI was supposed to be following protocols to ensure that every fact was verified, he said, going on to cite Justice Department Inspector General findings last year, revealing that the FBI actually was not following the written protocols and that significant errors appeared in applications filed in connection with the Crossfire Hurricane investigation. Rosenstein repeatedly claimed to be unaware of the details that have since been used by city, uh, by critics rather, to raise questions about the probe. He said that he obviously didn't know there was exculpatory evidence with regard to the origins of the Russia investigation, including details about Michael Flynn and George Papadopoulos. Well, some 26 of the 31 Oregon counties that started the first phase of their gradual reopening in mid-May have applied to take the next step, which further eases restrictions on businesses in the state of Oregon and increases the number of people who can gather together to accommodate uh, churches, museums, and movie theaters. The governor's office issued final guidance today for counties entering phase two, and on Thursday will announce which counties' plan, uh, plans rather have been approved after reviewing the most recent county-level public health data. To enter phase two, counties must continue to meet the phase one criteria, a declining level of COVID-19-like illnesses, declining hospital admissions for the disease, an adequate contract tracing, uh, tracing system, sufficient personal protective equipment, adequate isolation facilities, a minimum testing regimen, and sufficient hospital capacity to accommodate a 20% surge in hospitalizations. On top of all that, counties also need to demonstrate they're tracing 95% of new cases within 24 hours, that they can trace a minimum of 70% of cases to an existing case over the previous 7- to 14-day period, that there's no significant increase in the rate of positive cases out of total tests, and that there is not a 5% or greater increase in new cases over the previous week. Counties entering Phase 2 will allow, will, um, allow a limited return to office work and will ease travel restrictions. Gathering sizes are generally limited to 50 people, though churches are allowed for up at, uh, as many as 250 based on their occupancy limits their ability to socially distance attendees, and their sanitization protocols. The new guidance will allow bowling alleys, pools, and arcades to reopen with physical distancing and allow non-contact youth sports to reopen subject to equipment-sharing guidelines. The governor's office had contemplated opening overnight camps in Phase 2, but ultimately decided to hold on to that. Uh, it will also maintain restrictions on nursing home visitations, um, which I know is painful for many families who have family members from whom they have been isolated since this pandemic was first announced. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back shortly. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up in our second hour, we're going to share with you the Christian Outlook. I had the honor of hosting this week, and you'll have an opportunity to hear from some of the voices and talk show hosts, Christian teaching talk hosts in the Salem chain from across the country. That's coming up in our 5 o'clock hour. Well, Governor Kate Brown fired the head of the Oregon Employment Department on Sunday, responding to the department's long delays in delivering jobless benefits to out-of-work Oregonians and the agency's inability to communicate the status of workers' benefit claims. And that resignation was accepted. In the, um, in the middle of this pandemic, the governor said, the continued delays from the Oregon Employment Department in delivering unemployment insurance benefits to thousands of out-of-work Oregonians are unacceptable. In a statement, she went on to say that she had asked for and received the resignation of Kay Erickson, 
who had run the department since Brown appointed her to the post in 2016. This is an unprecedented crisis, and the problems at the department demand an urgent response, she said. She appointed Erickson's deputy, David Gerstenfeld, to serve as interim director and said she expects proactive communication with the claimants and a timeline for addressing the department's claims backlog. Now, firing the director may result in further delays, but uh, she felt it necessary. And she might recall earlier in the week, one of our U.S. senators, uh, Mr. Wyden, had suggested that that individual needed to be fired as well. Well, when the pandemic hit, uh, the unemployment department was quickly overwhelmed as more than 440,000 Oregonians filed for jobless benefits and the state's unemployment rate spiked to an all-time high of 14.2%. The department, relying on an antiquated computer system from the 90s, was unable to keep up with the volume of claims or adapt its technology to accommodate changes in the jobless program. And although Oregon receives $86 million in federal funding for a computer upgrade in 2009 and successive audits warned the department was unprepared for a spike in jobless claims, work replacing the computers isn't due to be complete until 2025. Let's hope you get your unemployment check before then. Since the pandemic hit in March, the department's phone lines have been hopelessly overloaded. For well over two months, it's been impossible impossible for the vast majority of laid-off workers in the state of Oregon to fix issues with their applications or to learn the status of their claims. Most callers get only busy signals, and the few that get through spend an average of more than three hours on hold, sometimes many hours longer. Even among those calls, though, fewer than half ever reach a claims processor. The department said on Saturday it has a 10-week backlog to fix complex claims that require adjudication, but didn't say how many claims are in that category. Thousands of claims have been pending for more than a month, though, and many workers say that they have been waiting for benefits since March. You can understand why there is such a sense of urgency to open up. If you have no source of income... If unemployment is not available to you, even though you are eligible for it, uh, this is a crisis in uh, those households and for those individuals. Police across the United States are marching in unity with peaceful protesters who are calling for justice and the killing of George Floyd in police custody in Minneapolis. Such instances over the weekend in Texas and Michigan, New Jersey, Iowa, Florida, Nebraska, and other states demonstrated that police in general don't support actions taken by Minneapolis officers that led to Mr. Floyd's death. That's a quote from Jason Johnson. He's the president of the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund. This case is not us versus them, Johnson says. He's a former deputy commissioner of the Baltimore Police Department. And he went on to say it's not the police versus the community. In New York City, police officers knelt with protesters on Sunday to protest police misconduct in Minneapolis. In Floyd's hometown of Houston, Police Chief Art Acevedo, he tweeted that Floyd's death should be condemned by all in law enforcement and our extended community. He joined a Justice for George Floyd march on Saturday in Houston and addressed a church congregation on Sunday. These examples by police also set apart peaceful protests from violent rioters and looters, Johnson said. Those groups provide legal representation for and advocates on behalf of police officers. Floyd's death during his arrest on Monday last evening also sparked criticism across racial and political lines. Nevertheless, what began as peaceful protests erupted into violent riots in cities across the United States, beginning in Minneapolis and spreading. 
Prosecutors charge former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, 44, with third-degree murder and manslaughter initially. That was on Friday after a cell phone video showed him with his knee pressed into the neck of Floyd, 46, who was lying handcuffed on the pavement and could be heard saying, I cannot breathe. On Monday afternoon, the medical examiner in Hennepin County, Minnesota, determined that Floyd's death was a homicide because he uh, suffered cardiac arrest while being restrained and his neck constricted. Floyd was black. Chauvin, as we all know, was not. Police uh, said officers had arrested Floyd after a store owner said the clerk accused Floyd of passing a counterfeit $20 bill. Three other officers present when Chauvin had his knee on Floyd's neck were fired along with him and now have been charged. Um, But that uh, didn't take place until just hours ago. In Michigan, um, the uh, Genesee County Sheriff Chris Swanson started Saturday with an overture to a crowd of protesters telling them, I want to make this a parade, not a protest. You just tell, uh, tell us what you need to do. Someone shouted, march with us. And he did. Swanson said it was a spontaneous decision to march with the protesters. In Santa Cruz, California, Police Chief Andy Mills and Mayor Justin Cummings took a knee with protesters. In Carroll Gables, Florida, police chiefs from across Miami-Dade County knelt in prayer with protesters on Saturday, as did the police chief and sheriff in Orlando, Florida, on Sunday. Such solidarity spread to the Midwest. Police and protesters locked arms. Sunday near police headquarters in Bellevue, Nebraska, police also joined protesters in taking a knee in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, Camden, New Jersey, police chief Joseph uh, Wysocki, he marched with protesters. Police officers reportedly hugged, prayed, and marched and knelt with protesters in Kansas City, Missouri, Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, the George Floyd death is unique in my 20-year experience in law enforcement, Johnson told the Daily Signal. We've seen rank-and-file labor representatives and the executive level of per- police departments unified in condemning this. Well, police actions in recent years that ended in the deaths of African-American men, such as Baltimore, New York City, Ferguson, Missouri, were not as clear-cut, he said, although some would argue that's not the case. Although Johnson stressed that Chauvin's due process rights must be protected, and he cautioned against a mob mentality, he said what is known about how Floyd died is inexcusable. There may be more information we don't know, but what we saw, the use of force in the video, this case is completely contrary to how police conduct themselves, or at least ought to. It defies common sense to believe you can have your knee on someone's neck and expect them to be okay. Minneapolis Police Chief um, Madaria told CNN that all four officers should be charged, and now they have been charged. Uh, Mr. Floyd died in our hands, and so I see that as being uh, complicit, she said on Sunday. Silence and inaction, you're um, complicit. If there was one solitary voice uh, that would have intervened, that's what I would have hoped for. But that, of course, is not what we saw. So it's uh, heartening to know that there are places, there are pockets across the country where peaceful protests are taking place and law enforcement officers are expressing their outrage over what happened in Minnesota and uh, declaring that that is not acceptable uh, in our communities. One way to address the major complaint that we are hearing from protests all across the, the country is purging bad cops to restore police integrity. I think most of us would agree that the vast majority of police officers are law-abiding citizens who recognize their role is to protect and serve, not to oppress and single out. However, the way the system is set up, and we've seen this in other bureaucracies, it is very difficult oftentimes to purge an officer who has been labeled bad by fellow officers and complaints from citizens. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, how to do just that and what uh, some suggestions might be considered 
to relieve law enforcement to offices across the country of those officers who should not bear the badge or carry a firearm and the tremendous uh, authority that they have in wielding such power and authority authority over citizens in their respective communities. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll get into that when we return. Also in the second hour of today's program, we'll share with you the Christian outlook. You'll have an opportunity to hear from talk show hosts and their guests from all across the country. That program airs on KPDQ over the weekend, so uh, take a listen. You might want to check it out. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, it's painfully obvious that Chauvin used force far in excess of what was warranted, and Mr. Floyd died as a result. All four Minneapolis police officers involved were fired, and Chauvin was eventually arrested on charges of third-degree murder and second-degree murder manslaughter. That has since changed. All four officers have been charged. His arrest should not have taken four days, but that's a subject for another day. Most Americans hold police officers in high esteem, and rightfully so. Police officers risk their lives to protect ours and for about the same salary as a school teacher. In uh, cases where they make split second decisions to use deadly force, we tend to give them the benefit of the doubt. But law enforcement enjoys legitimacy regarding the use of force that the rest of us do not. And for that reason, they must be held to a higher standard. And while the overwhelming majority of police officers serve honorably, that minority of officers who abuse power make the headlines. If society loses faith in those charged and empowered to enforce the law, the foundation of our justice system becomes shaken and the rule of law breaks down. For that reason, police officers that break the law must be swiftly removed and punished, especially when it deprives citizens of life or liberty. Now, due process certainly is a part of that. Unfortunately, police unions have become a powerful political force in many major cities, protecting bad officers. In the case of Chauvin, he had 18 prior complaints filed against him. But because of privacy provisions in the union-negotiated contracts, we can't know details about those complaints. These contracts often prevent the firing of bad officers. Andy Skugman, who's the executive director of the Minnesota Chiefs of Police, speaking on Fox News with Chris Wallace, says, We have officers that violate public policy. They have a a pattern of doing that, and chiefs and sheriffs try to fire them, and our courts reinstate those jobs. Retired NYPD Commander Corey Pugues He confirmed this, writing the unions, at least in New York City, outright just protect, protect, protect the cops. It's a blanket system of covering up police officers. Now, again, we're talking about those rogue officers uh, who could rightfully be um, labeled bad officers. Despite the damage done to the reputation and public standing of law enforcement, the 342,000 strong fraternal order of police unions opposed greater transparency, or at least its executive director, Jim Pascoe, does. He's argued that it should be illegal for someone to record cops with their cell phones, even supporting a law that once made it uh, an uh, offense punishable by up to 15 years in prison. Pascoe argued in 2011, at some point, we have to put some faith and trust in our authority figures. Thomas Jefferson would be appalled. Well, again, we'll save that uh, discussion, that broader discussion for another day. Well, in the days since the death of George Floyd, riots have broken out in several major U.S. cities. Often peaceful protests were hijacked by lawless individuals who care nothing about Floyd except to exploit his death as a pretext for looting and violence. Unfortunately, in a handful of cases, sworn police officers have become indistinguishable from Antifa thugs except for the badges they wear. 
In Floyd's hometown of Minneapolis, riot gear clad National Guard troops enforced an 8 p.m. curfew by firing tear gas at a woman standing on her porch. In New York City, an officer tore off a protester's face mask and pepper sprayed him directly in the face, even as the protester was surrendering. In Atlanta, officers shattered a car window and tasered two black college students that posed no danger. Two of the officers, both black, were fired for use of excessive force. Unbelievably, Minneapolis police even fired rubber bullets and tear gas at news crews covering the protest. Now, they have since uh, argued that they weren't aware of the fact they were news crews, but I think there's evidence to suggest that may not be true. Pictures and video often leave out important context, especially when tensions are high between police and protesters. But that's all the more reason law enforcement must rely on training and remain level-headed. Abusing power only reinforces protesters' belief that cops are corrupt. Some are but a a vast majority are not. Led by Justice Clarence Thomas, the court's most conservative justice, the Supreme Court is currently revisiting the doctrine of qualified immunity, which in theory protects police from being sued for official actions, but in practice gives near-blanket immunity to corrupt police officers. What happened to George Floyd was a preventable travesty. It occurred because Officer Chauvin far exceeded his legitimate power. George Floyd had a right to breathe and he had a right to live. His life mattered, not because he was black, but because he was a human. We need to do better. Earlier this week, during the routine arrest in Minneapolis, we know the events that unfolded. um, This act fits a long and too frequent pattern of incidents where police use substantial and often lethal force for minor offenses. In this case, police were called because Floyd allegedly attempted to pay with a $20 counterfeit bill. Now, would you recognize a counterfeit from a real bill if it was placed in your hands? We don't know the the story behind all of that. But when acts like this happen, the story is often depressingly similar. The police contend the subject was resisting arrest. But film footage suggests otherwise. Similarly, in Floyd's case, officers originally said Floyd was intoxicated and resisted arrest. Whereas footage from multiple angles, including local store owners, doesn't show him resisting arrest in the moments before. More importantly, even if he at some point resisted arrest, he certainly was not resisting while police officer Derek Chauvin's knee was dug into his neck, slowly killing him. Well, since then, Minneapolis has been engulfed in protests and riots, as is much of the country. Multiple private businesses and homes have been burned, including a Target and all the things of all things, an AutoZone store. Thursday night during a protest at a police precinct, the police evacuated en masse. Protesters stormed the precinct and burned it down. Then early Friday morning, state police arrested CNN news crew that was merely on the scene reporting. We have a deep root, uh, deep-rooted problem in our country. Far too many police encounters with citizens end in the death of suspects, and far too few police are held accountable. The legal standard in many cases for justifying the use of lethal force amounts to an officer claiming, I felt afraid for my life. Now, that's a legitimate um, concern, but it doesn't cover all sins. While that is often accurate, it's also often insufficient. It is by some metrics easier for a police officer to justify killing an American citizen in inner city Minneapolis than for a special forces soldier to justify killing a terrorist in Fallujah, Iraq. And that has to stop. At some time, protests uh, have yet again rapidly turned into violent mobs that have destroyed, looted, and physically threatened fellow citizens. In Minneapolis, a mob set fire to a small business storefront, and firefighters had to risk their own lives rushing through the mob to rescue families living in the second and floor apartments above the store. Similarly, in Louisville, a protest started in response to yet another police killing, quickly descending into violence, and seven people were shot. 
And while it is certainly true that the vast majority of our nation's police are hardworking men and women who do their jobs serving and protecting us well, it's also true that there are too many unjustified acts of violence by some police officers against Americans, both black and white. And it is patently obvious that many in the African-American community do not trust police with good reason. I have a, a, let's see, he's not a brother-in-law, he's a nephew-in-law who has been pulled, he's a graduate student, he's a clean-cut, healthy young man. He's been pulled over more times for absolutely no reason than you could imagine. That has happened to my brother, it happened to my father, it happens to my nephews. This is an issue uh, that happens far too often. There has been a pattern of cases where police officers are filmed in acts that result in the deaths of citizens, often but not always black, and officers are minimally disciplined, rarely prosecuted, or almost never convicted. This virtual impunity, so long as officers claim they feared for their lives, spurs anger. That anger is frequently deserved. We should want our officers to be safe, of course, but we do not expect firefighters to be able to say, I feared for my life uh, if I ran into the burning building, so I let those people die. None of our of this justifies violent protests in our cities, which often quickly becomes rioting, more focused on destruction and revenge than on justice. Nor does it justify arresting reporters for exercising their First Amendment rights. I so appreciated the Floyd family, who earlier today in a press conference said, we are a family of peace. We are asking you uh, to honor the uh, the name of our family member, George Floyd, do not continue with these uh, these protests. It's time for us to stop seeing police violence and ensuring protests, uh, ensuing protests, rather, in such a black and white way. Too many see these incidents and immediately conclude that either the police are always right and criminals are asking for it or that all police are out to get them in any action, however violent, is justified. Police have a right to protect themselves, but they also have a duty to protect us. Similarly, African-American communities have a right to protest and reason to, but they ought to seek to do so in a way that does not cause more violence and destruction. Some of our state officials and uh, officers need to remember that their job is to protect, not to instill fear. Let's hope, and I hope you are praying. Uh, that the outcome would be just and fair and right, that the facts would be made known, that there wouldn't be any effort to protect or cover anybody or anything up, that the right thing would be done, and that we would address the underlying issues, and ultimately we would have peace again in our communities, only it would be a better peace because we recognize there's a problem that needs to be rooted out. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.